have your class tonight. Everybody else will scoot back up to the front here, and uh, we will be opening our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4 tonight. 2 Timothy and chapter number 4, if you'll turn there. Man, I am super excited about this particular section of 2 Timothy. Tonight, I get to preach on my favorite topic in all the Bible, okay? In fact, I would say uh, as far as Christianity, as far as the Bible, as far as my calling in my life goes, nothing is more exciting to me than what I'm going to talk about tonight, okay? Any guesses on what it is? <laughs> that, of course, Dave. Yes, yes, of course. Um, uh, preaching, absolutely. And Paul, remember, has just told Timothy how he is to respond to perilous days that are coming at the end of time. And in so many words, Paul has told him to, to cling fast to God's word. And he says, beginning in chapter 3, verse 14, you've learned this from a child and now I'm telling you that what you've learned as a child you must cling to now that the word of God is always the answer, okay? And now, really continuing the thought of the word of God being the answer, let's read the first five verses of chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. The Bible says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom." Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But watch thou, or excuse me, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Amen. This is God's word. I want to talk to you tonight on this subject, marks of God-pleasing preaching. Marks of God-pleasing preaching. I will probably preach this on Sunday at our church soon uh, because I think the whole church needs to hear this message. But, you know, it, you say, well, okay, why in the world would you teach us, our teenagers and adults in our church who, for the most part, don't preach, why would you teach us about preaching? Well, number one, because it's in the Bible, okay? So uh, being the next set of verses in the study of 2 Timothy where it talks about preaching, obviously God would not have put instruction about preaching in the Bible if he didn't want us to know about preaching in the first place. And so I think that's important. I think secondly, for you, it's very important that you understand the nature of good preaching you got to understand, good preaching has nothing to do with somebody's energy or somebody's style. Good preaching has to do with the fact that it's lined up with the way God expects preaching to be. There's no doubt about it, God is pleased with preaching. The Bible says in Titus chapter 1, it is that God has, has chosen 
the preaching of the word to convince the world. And so we know that God is pleased when people proclaim his word. The question that really I have to ask myself as a preacher is not, does God, is God pleased with preaching? The bigger question is, is God pleased with my preaching? And I think it's important for church members to understand the, the nature of biblical preaching and what it's like and what it's about so that you will be able to discern uh, preaching in your own life. I mean, let's just face it. The fact of the matter is God, God may move you on sometime. You may move away. Uh, you may relocate to another city or town, and it may not be that River City is always the place that you will be. We understand that. It happens. Some of you have moved to Jacksonville, and so you've been shuffled around and found a church if that ever happens to you, I would imagine that you'd want to go to a place where, above all things, the preaching of the Word of God was sound and right. I would say that it's important for you to understand the nature of preaching for what comes out of the pulpit at our church. Um, the Bible tells us about the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, how they, uh, how they listened to what was said and they, they, they studied for themselves the things that were said to see whether those things were so. Christians are supposed to be discerning people. One of the most dangerous things that could ever happen, okay, to a Christian is just to listen to somebody and not discern whether or not it comes from the Bible and just wholeheartedly follow somebody just because they're a pastor. That can be a very dangerous place to be as a Christian is just listening to what somebody says without evaluating whether or not God said it before the pastor said it. And then the final reason I would give you that it's important to hear uh, teaching like this is because the very fact of the matter is I won't always be the pastor of this church. The only way that I will always be the pastor of this church is if Jesus Christ comes again before I'm not the pastor of this church, okay? If that doesn't happen at some point and some time and some place, I am not going to be here any longer. And the fact of the matter is when it then becomes our responsibility as a congregation to seek out what God has for us, I would implore you above all things that when they're throwing dirt over my cold, dead body, that don't ever bring somebody in here that doesn't preach the word of God. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. It's very important that all believers understand the nature of biblical preaching, okay? So you're going to be my seminary class tonight, and I'm going to teach you about preaching. Number one. What, should, what mark should mark preaching? Well, first of all, the pastor should preach accountably. Accountably. The Bible says in verse number one, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, who will judge the dead and the quick or the living at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. So here, Paul takes us forward, okay, to a moment where we are all going to give an account of our lives to God. And as a preacher, I've got to think about this in two ways. Number one, I've got to realize that every single person that I preach to is one day going to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, one of my job descriptions, if you will, is making sure that you are ready to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Making sure that I am preaching the Bible in such a way that you understand that you're, you have a moment where you're going to stand before God. That you're in, in many ways accountable to the Lord. And that there is a day in which we should all be preparing for. And it's the day that we all stand before God. I would hope that any biblical preaching would have a touch of eternity on it. A touch of eternity that would make you think about things that have yet to come. To make you realize there is a day coming. Where this earth that you and I are living in 
We will shake it off as the pilgrimage that it was, as the temporary stopping place that it was. And friend, you should expect more from me on Sunday than to talk about five ways how you can have a happy week. You ought to be expecting when you come in here on Sunday to hear something about helping me get prepared to meet God one day, right? And so not only do I think about accountability for you, and I think about, secondly, accountability for me. The Bible says in James chapter number 3 and verse number 1, My brethren, be not many teachers, for you shall receive the greater condemnation. People that have the responsibility to teach the Bible and preach the word to other people are people that are going to be held under greater scrutiny when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ. Why? Because not only am I responsible for my own life, I am responsible for what I have done before you as a preacher. You want to know why my preaching is a big deal to me in the sense of how careful I am with teaching the Bible and laying it out there the way God said it? Because I know as a pastor, I'm going to give an account for the fact that I was called to lead the people of God. And as giving account for leading the people of God, I'm going to be very, very, very careful as far as how I lead them. I think that one of the most important lessons I ever learned on preaching was from my preaching mentor, Dr. Tom Farrell, who just passed away this year. I was actually listening to him preach this afternoon, an old CD. That's, you know, one of those round disc things. And I was listening to, actually I had taken it from a CD and burned it onto my computer. But anyways, I have it as an MP3, I think, now. But the fact is, I was listening to him preach, and he, he said something that he taught me way back when I was in seminary, and that's this, that when we preach... We preach for the audience of one. At the end of the day, I am not preaching for you or to you. I am ultimately preaching for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, if all of you after this sermon said, Pastor, that was a great sermon, but God didn't say that was a great sermon, then I want to tell you that's a pretty bad sermon. And if everybody in the world wants me to sign their Bible after I'm done preaching, but God is not pleased with what I said when I preach, then that's not a great sermon. The fact of the matter is the audience is not the primary determiner on what the preaching of the word is supposed to be, but God is. And one day I realize that I'm going to give an account to the Lord, and that drives me. And so, so you say, well, how does that apply to me as far as what I'm listening for when I'm listening to preaching? I think I said it, but I want to emphasize it one more time, and that's this. When you are listening to preaching that has the mark of pleasing God on it, you are listening to preaching that will lift your eyes above this temporary place that we call earth and will force your mind out to a time where something far more serious has taken place, a time that I'm going to stand before God. And that kind of preaching that puts an eternal depth into my mind and my heart and the way that I live and the things that I do in my life, that's the kind of preaching that you want to get around. You don't want to get around preaching that doesn't prepare you for anything less than what you're doing here in this life. Number one, a mark of God-pleasing preaching is that you preach accountably. Secondly, a mark of God-pleasing preaching is that you preach authoritatively. You preach authoritatively. And notice again the text here in verse number two. It says, preach the word. Now, there are at least three different words in the Bible that are translated preach in the New Testament. One of them is the word that means to preach the gospel. That's euangelizomai. It means to tell the good news. There's another word, a more generic word used for preaching in the Bible. 
kaleo, and it, it, it has the idea of talking. It's just a generic word for calling or talking. And then there's a third word used for preaching in the Bible about preaching, and it's the word keruzo or proclaim. And that's the word that is actually used here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, a keruzo. And it's an interesting word. In fact, it is a word that is used in reference to somebody who spoke on behalf of a king and brought a message to an audience from the king. Now, I know this is the second week in a row I've used a Disney illustration, but remember, I have five children, okay? And I have three of them under the age of four. But what I'm talking about is what happens in Mulan, okay, when the little nerdy guy rides up on his horse in to Mulan's town, right? And he rolls down the scroll and he reads a message from the emperor that the Huns have attacked China, right? And that the emperor wants one male from every family to serve in the imperial army. Are y'all following me? You know what I'm talking about here? And Okay, what was that guy? Who was that guy? He was a K-Roots, He was bringing a message to an audience from another person, namely a king. And when he was given a message to the audience, it was not his own message. And the very fact of the matter is, it was a message from the king, a message that everybody needed to listen to. It was not an option. It was an obligation. Church, I'm not talking, please please don't misunderstand me. When I talk about authoritative preaching, I am not talking about style. I am not talking about how loud somebody is or isn't when they preach. I am talking about that when a person is preaching, they are preaching with a message that has authority in it because it's a message from God. Certainly, there should be some urgency. Certainly, there should be some presence of authority and command in the message. Uh, Folks, listen, when I come to preach, I am coming to you with not a message from Brian, but a message from God. And that comes from his word. And so I'm standing here appealing to you and pleading with you to listen to God. I I, I visited a a church recently on on my my couple weeks off, and and I, I do not try to be critical at all of services or preaching or anything, but... Uh, but I, I visited a very large church, and I, and I was so taken back by how little authority, how little declaration was in the message that was preached. Fact, and frankly, how little of Bible was in the message that was preached. And I walked away feeling like, man, you know what, I just had a fireside chat uh, with somebody about something that was moral or relative. And folks, listen, I don't, I don't feel like my job on Sunday is to connect with you. I feel like my job on Sunday is to preach the Bible to you and to bring not my authority. Please understand, I'm not talking about pastoral authority. I get so tired of hearing that word as if it's even relevant, okay? Look, pastoral authority doesn't mean anything outside of biblical authority, okay? You need to understand that. And pastors have abused what I'm talking about here. They will abuse it almost like if I say something That's what you're supposed to do. And i got to tell you, that's the last thing in the world I'm talking about when I'm talking about authority. When I'm talking about authority, I'm talking about authority that comes from somewhere other than me, somewhere outside of me, somewhere higher than me. And when I stand up here and say, this is what God is saying, I should not come across like I'm negotiating it or like it's optional. I should be coming across to you just like God said it. 
You ever heard somebody say, I can't believe he's so dogmatic. Have you ever heard that, that phrase? Yeah, that guy's so dogmatic, right? Do you know where the word dogmatic comes from? The root word is dogma. Do you know what dogma is? It's doctrine. So when somebody is sure of doctrine, is proclaiming doctrine, there should absolutely be an edge of authority in the message because, hey guys, listen, this is what God is telling us. This is what God has told us. How about this? This is what God has commanded us. This is what God has warned us about. This is what God has said he will bless us with. There ought to be something in the preaching that has the authority of God behind it. Preach. And then he says this, not only is a mark of uh, God-pleasing preaching to preach accountably and to preach authoritatively. But thirdly, listen to this, there should be uh, preaching accurately. Preaching accurately. He says this, preach, and here it is, the word. The word. And God here gives us the parameter of all preaching that pleases God. And this is really simple to understand. Preaching that pleases God is preaching that comes directly from the Bible. Any preaching that does not come directly from the Bible is not preaching at all. It might be a speech. It might be a political rally. It might be a pep rally. It could be a lot of things, but you can't call it preaching if it doesn't come from the Word. This is why, guys, I am so passionate that our church understands why I do what I do at this church. Why would I spend three or four months going through the Sermon on the Mount, line after line, verse after verse. The answer is because you do not need to hear from me. You need to hear from God. You need to hear exactly what God said. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 2 says it like this, that um, you are to study to show yourself to be approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And the idea of rightly dividing means to cut it straight. It means, to, it means to lay a pattern down and to cut out the garment right on the pattern so it can be sewed correctly. It's like what Dave and these guys have been doing, uh, fixing up the auditorium. They, they're measuring out the studs for the wall. And what do they do? They, they mark it, they make a straight line, and they cut it straight so it fits. They get those little sheets of plywood up in those corners that had, uh, you know, angles on them. And they had to mark it and measure it and cut a straight line and pop a chalk line and cut it right down the edge. Why? Because it needed to fit right where it goes. That's called cutting it straight. If you want to know a mark of healthy, biblical, God-pleasing preaching, I'll tell you what it is. It is when the pastor gives you a message, and the message that he has given you is exactly the message that God has already given you in his word. That is the one and only checkpoint that you need to be clear about in preaching. That's the, how do I teach guys preaching? Because I do. I teach it every semester. I've taught it for years. And when I teach them, I say it like this. The point of your message is the point of the message, okay? The point of your message is the point of the message. I remember teaching that in Haiti one time to about 50 pastors through an interpreter, and I kept saying that over and over again, and I made them repeat it to me. I had no idea what they were saying. I was hoping they were saying what I was saying. But the point of my message is the point of the message, meaning, you okay, so I'm going to preach on Sunday or any Sunday, uh, like last Sunday on The Great Physician, Okay, what was the point of the message? That Jesus can do impossible things with people that are in need. What was the point of the passage? I believe it was that. 
So my point of my message or the subject of my message must be from Scripture and what the Scripture says. Guys, you've got to have a high expectation that this is what is being done on Sunday or anywhere where you're listening to preaching. That the preaching of the message is exactly what the Bible is saying in its context, understood correctly. Guys, listen, this is how cults are formed. When people yank out verses of the Bible and use them in any way that they think can or should be used, you can't just pull a verse out of the Bible and interpret it to mean whatever you think it's supposed to mean. You need to un- explain and understand the Bible in its historical, grammatical, and contextual setting and actually lay out to the congregation exactly what God was saying when he said it, when he wrote it uh, you know, 2,000 years ago or whatever the case may be. This is serious business. People say, what do pastors do all week? Well, I just laid out for you a good bit of what I have to do all week. Make sure that when I am coming to church on Sunday that I am locked and loaded and saying to you exactly what God said. I don't want to get beyond that. I don't want to get outside of that. I'm not interested in opinions. I'm not interested in political identity. I'm not interested in some kind of standards that I think are important. I'm not interested in any of that. You might have some things that you have to work out in your own life about what we're going to do, what we're going to watch, what we're going to wear, what we're going to act like, what we're going to do, how we're going to live, whatever, okay? That's not exactly my job. My job is to cut the scripture right where it's to be cut and lay it out in front of you. It's your job to take the scripture and live it out as unto the Lord and through the Holy Spirit's leading in your own life. So please, 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 whatever you do, make sure that you watch for and expect accurate preaching. We must preach accurately. Jonah chapter 3 said uh, in chapter 3 verse 2, Jonah, preach unto the city the preaching that I tell you to preach. He's saying, I don't want you to preach your own message. I want you to preach my message, preach accurately. Let me give you a, a, a fourth thing here. A fourth mark of God-pleasing preaching is that we must preach applicably. So we preach accountably, we preach authoritatively, we preach accurately, and we preach applicably. Now, I just said that it's not my job to tell you every little detail of every little standard of thing that you're supposed to do in your life. But it is my job to take what the Bible says and make relevant biblical application to your life. Look what he says here in verse 2 again. Preach the word, watch this, be instant, or excuse me, be ready in season and out of season. And then he says this, convince rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. By the way, I didn't really, I, I, I skipped that part, so let me just deal with it real quick. He says, be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? It means a pastor should preach the Bible in all climates and in all places. Meaning, you should preach when everybody loves it, and you should preach when they don't. Like what Tom Farrell said, you should preach when they line up to sign your Bible and you should preach when you got to go home and sign your own Bible, okay? You must preach the word, frankly, no matter how it's received. i got to tell you, there have been many times and occasions where I have spoken, and I was not speaking in a friendly crowd. Now, i gotta be, I got to tell you this. I'm thankful that at River City Baptist Church, I feel like preaching is in season, and I like it, okay? I like it when preaching is in season, 
okay? Just like I like football season and I like fishing season, okay? I don't like it when those things go out of season. And there's been some places where I've preached that it wasn't in season. But I am not to only preach when it's accepted or when the climate's right or when I feel like it or when they want it. Think about, think about Stephen just for a second. Did he preach in season or out of season? Out of season. Think about Jesus. Did he preach in season or out of season? Think about the guy that wrote this letter. Did he preach in season or out of season? Out of season. He's in jail for what he said. Nobody was more out of season than Paul and Jesus and Stephen. Look, uh, the fact is, it's not even in season at large in our country right now. We must preach the word. And here's how we do it. Watch these words here. This is very interesting. Good preaching will do these three things. Reprove or convince, rebuke, and exhort. And let me explain how these work together, okay? The word uh, convince here, the old, the old word is, uh, 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 what was it? Uh, reprove. Reprove. It's interesting, that word is actually a legal term, speaking of a prosecuting attorney who tries to convince a jury or a judge of evidence against the defendant. That's what it means. It is, it is in fact, it's used in John 16 of the Holy Spirit. He will reprove or convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's used in this text. We are to preach and we are to do this convincing. Basically what it means is this, laying out the evidence of something that was wrong. And I think what that means is it means that a preacher should be able to stand up only on the authority of the Bible and say, this particular thing is not right. Okay? Now look at the next word, rebuke. Now rebuke is taking the word convince and it's making it personal. Rebuke, or excuse me, convince means this is not right. Rebuke means... You are not right if you're doing it. You ever heard somebody say something like, man, I should have brought my steel-toed boots to church today. I've heard that all the time. And every time somebody ever says that to me, I say, well, if, if you wore steel-toed boots, I missed because I was aiming for your heart. I wasn't aiming for your toes. The bottom line is this. There will be times, folks, that God will speak to you through the sermon from the Bible, and he will show you. This is not right. And there should be those times in preaching where that happens. And let me, let me, just, let me just say something to you. If, you. if you get bothered in a sermon, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with the church or the pastor. The fact of the matter is there might be something wrong with you. And the, and the truth is, what we should be is we should be mature enough that the Bible is being taught and the word confronts you in any way. The whole purpose is that you would be humble enough to admit it and accept it and let Christ turn your heart around. Which is interesting. The next word is this. So we got convince, rebuke, and then he says this, exhort. And exhort is the idea of encouragement. It's the idea of cheering you on. It's one thing to tell somebody something's wrong. It's another thing to tell them they're wrong when they're doing it. It's a whole other thing to encourage them about how they can get it right and how they can move forward in their lives. Now, people will say things like this. You've got to watch out for this. You hear people say, I don't think it's the pastor's job to make application. I think it's the Holy Spirit's job. And you know what I say? You're right. It is the Holy Spirit's job. But where you're wrong is it's also the pastor's job. 
and it's also the Bible's job. And get the picture. Does the Holy Spirit convict people of their sin? Yes. Does the Bible convict people of their sin? Yes. When the pastor preaches, does he convict people of their sin? Yes. And when a man of God is filled with God's spirit and he's filled with God's word, it is very likely that, it's, that truth is going to come out and the power of the Holy Spirit on that truth through the spoken word. And there will be conviction brought to the life of a Christian who is not where God wants them to be. And we should be thankful for that. Man, I'm thankful for the sermons that I've heard that have challenged me, arrested me, helped me, brought me through, showed me something that wasn't right in my life, and got me to another level, got me to another place spiritually. In my heart, I'm never going to turn away from preaching like that. I'm never going to be bothered by somebody challenging me, by somebody trying to help me, by somebody trying to grow my faith. He says, you know what, you got to be careful to apply the word. And here is why you must. Look at what it says in verse 3, 4. The word for is a purpose clause, meaning why do you need to preach like this? Why? Here's why. For the time will come... When they will not endure sound doctrine. There is a time, and I think he's referring back to chapter 3 verse 1. There's a time coming where people will have a hard time stomaching the truth of God's word. And you have to keep preaching. And, here's, and, and, and because they don't stomach sound doctrine, here's what they're going to do. They will then, watch this, they will, according to their own desires and because they have itching ears... They will heap up for themselves teachers. Now, I think this is interesting. There's nothing wrong with having more than one spiritual influence in your life. I've actually heard even pastors use this as a manipulative tactic to tell people there should only really be, you know, if you listen to multiple preachers or whatever, that you're, you're just, you have itching. I think, that's, I think that's a huge mistake. I don't think that's what this is talking about. But this is what it's talking about. If... You hear preaching that is speaking to your heart, that is confronting you. And because of your own desire to do what you want, you will then go outside of that to hear another confirming message, having itching ears. Go out looking for other teachers, plural. I've seen this all the time. I've had people come to me and say, I've asked four pastors this and now I'm coming to you. I'm thinking, I'm in trouble. If you've asked four pastors this and you're coming to me, you probably didn't hear what you wanted to hear four times and now you're coming to me. I can't tell how many people come to me and they've already got their answer before they come to me. Well, why did you come to me if you already had an answer before you came to me? And the fact of the matter is, if you didn't like four things that a person said, if it was from the Bible, then friend, I've got to tell you, the problem is not with the pastor trying to help you with the Bible. You will always find a spiritual teacher that will tell you what you want to hear if you want to hear it. My word, there's always somebody out there that will give you what you want. And that's what he's saying. This is why a preacher must preach with application. And the application is reprove, rebuke, exhort, because people are not going to want to hear the truth. They're going to go out looking for teachers. And here's what I would say. When they come looking for me, they better hear truth of me, I think is what he's saying. He said, there's always going to be these people that are running around looking for somebody to affirm what they already believe. Um, and if you're not careful, you can give in to that. And this is what Paul is telling us 
not to do. Let's read one final verse together uh, as we'll finish tonight. It says verse number five, um, or four, excuse me. They will turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to fables. Uh, But you... Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. He's saying, listen, when these people are doing this, be careful, be watchful that you don't follow that same trend and that same track. Be careful, and then, and then, and then endure what will come to you whenever you are facing those kinds of situations. In other words, when people don't appreciate what is being said, they may attack you. They may turn their back on you. That's fine. You've got to be willing to endure some things if you're going to be a God-pleasing preacher in the last days. And he says this, do the work of an evangelist. This is Paul telling a pastor to keep his evangelistic fervor burning. In other words, do the work of getting the gospel out. As a pastor, it's our job. And so many times pastors can get focused on people. And this is the amazing thing to me. i got to tell you, as a pastor, I have been challenged even recently. You know what? I am done ever trying to debate and argue with some carnal Christian about something, this or that. I'm done with that. There are too many people in the the area of Arlington, uh, of Jacksonville, Florida, that need Jesus Christ. And 1,500 of them poured into our church parking lot on Sunday. And you think I'm going to sit around and argue with somebody about who's doing this and who's doing that? Why wasn't I included on that? Listen, friend, help yourself. I will not do it because I'm going to stay doing the work of an evangelist. And if I were you, here's what I would do. Just get on board with that. If you want to do something profitable as a Christian, get involved with evangelism. Get involved with people's lives. Get out there and uh, at, a, at a night like we had Sunday night and get some names, get some numbers, get some email addresses. Uh, have 15 food truck tickets in your back pocket on Sunday morning and just find the nearest lost person and say, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to sit with that person and I'm going to tell them about Jesus when this is all over with. You know, if we would just be more like this, we would have so many less issues in our church. We'd be so busy nurturing and caring for souls and new souls we have no time to even care about silly things like schedules and announcements and who does this and who does that. It's so, it's so nonsense. And I've just decided, I, I'm serious, I made up my mind. So, so if you ever get mad at me, just trust me. Just trust me. It will get about, it'll, get, it'll get about three feet past you, about as far as your words can get. Like audibly. Because I'm not hearing it. There are too many people dying and going to hell for the church to be off-center. Do the work of evangelists. And he says this, fulfill your ministry. King James said, make full proof of your ministry. Fulfill it. In other words, God's given you a job, now do it. Make, bring it to the fullness. Bring it, bring it fill it up. So, so guys, look, uh, my, I try, I pray, I work hard at trying to preach accountably, authoritatively, accurately, applicably. I've taken this serious. It's my life's mission to do that. I think it's your life's mission to appreciate that and to follow that and to love that and to be supportive of that and to make that the centerpiece of what we're doing at church. And, 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 And no matter what happens in your life, moved on, I move on, I die, whatever happens, we all should never be content without a preacher that focuses on God-pleasing preaching. 
Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for the opportunity that is ours to hear the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I pray that, Lord, you would work in our lives and give us a hunger and a thirst for truth, for righteousness, for holiness, and for um, the Bible and for preaching. So we love you, we look to you, and we do pray that you'll bless our day on Sunday. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Hey, another word. I know there, I know we're down hugely because of sickness, but listen, I, if you can at all possible park on Sunday, either in 